Welcome to the Radical Flow podcast. My name is Angela. Radical Flow is flow that's on a mission, and that mission is to create a much better reality for us all. Welcome to episode 31. In my work, I get a lot of really amazing questions. And when answers and perspectives flow through me, oftentimes I find that those answers are not just for my client, but they're also often for me and for many others. Well, today in this podcast, I'd like to share one such question that came to me a few months ago and a little of what we talked about as a result. So here was the question. Woman came to me and said, I'm always in resistance. It doesn't matter what I go to do, I resist doing it. It could be anything like making my bed or putting the roll of toilet paper on the roller. I know I'm going to do it. I know I need to do it. But something in me says, oh, we'll do that later. Then the end of the day comes, I crawl into bed, and the resistance to doing things stops, but suddenly there's all this pressure, and all the things that I resisted doing all day that still need doing now fill my mind, and my mind becomes anxious. So... All day, I resist doing things. And then when I go to go to sleep, I resist sleeping. How do I break this pattern of resisting? What a great question, hey? And one I believe that many of us can relate to. Now, some call this procrastination, meaning putting things off to do later. But when this woman was referring to, and what she was referring to, was actually the resistance to actually doing and the resistance was deeper. It was a different octave of procrastination altogether. Now, the first thing you need to know is that this woman is a woman on a mission, meaning she's got all kinds of dreams of what she wants to do, how she wants to show up. There's no shortage of knowing what to do or even any question of whether she really wants to do it. For her, she's in the habit of resisting whatever is before her. So when we met, we started talking about foundations. So first, what she's dealing with is a habit, which means she's practiced it a lot, which means that she's been resisting for quite a long time. So I asked her, how long have you been resistant? And she thought for a moment, and then she said, you know, most of my life. And then she expanded. She referred to herself as a fire builder, meaning she'd routinely leave things to the last minute and then the last minute get them done. In fact, in her early years, she boasted that she worked great under pressure and showed up like superwoman all the time. There was even pride in her statement. But then, she said, as the years passed, she was no longer showing up as superwoman. Instead, she was starting to fail to complete things on time and also failed to take care of what some people might call basic needs. And then she said something that made me laugh a little inside because I could completely relate. She said, maybe I need more pressure, you know, so there's no time to resist and no ability to hold myself back. I wrote as fast as I could to capture her words because they were so packed with meaning and depth and they actually contained all the answers that she was seeking. Are you seeing yourself or someone you know in this story? 
Well, from basic flow foundations, when someone resists, they're going against the flow. Now, going against the flow can be a really good idea if your flow is going somewhere you don't really want it to go. Resisting is then like applying the brakes so you can use your focus to steer yourself elsewhere and then release resistance to flow in that better direction. So it's kind of a navigation tool. Resistance also builds pressure. So once you stop resisting, you have greater power and propulsion in whatever direction you're focusing. In other words, resistance is useful when it's applied for a good reason in a timely fashion. But resisting just as a general habit means you'd also be resisting without good reason and not in good time. So is this person that's resisting hesitant to flow forward? Are they afraid of what might be ahead of them? Do they feel undeserving of the good things that could be in their flow? Or do they have a history of bad experiences? Well, in truth, there could be a wide variety of reasons why they're in the habit of resistance. And discovering what those exact reasons are is actually not really that important. Certainly not at the start. So, as you recall, her question was, how do I break this pattern of resistance? Here's how I answered. I said, don't try to stop resisting. Just let yourself resist. And she looked at me with tension in her forehead and a serious look of disapproval of my answer. Then I shared a story. In my life, I've done plant medicines on three different occasions. The first two were ceremonies using ayahuasca. One was a one-day ceremony, and the next one was a 10-day ceremony. This medicine has a grandmother spirit-like quality. In fact, many call ayahuasca grandmother vine. I felt that as she guided me through my experiences, each of which lasted for hours. The third time I did plant medicine was with something called changa, a medicine that works really fast, blows your third eye wide open, and then ends the experience in about 20, 25 minutes. Doing this third experience, I found myself feeling afraid as the medicine was passed to me. I took it in and immediately started seeing colors and fractals pouring out from my inner vision that now seemed to see in every direction at once. And then I felt Grandmother Vine walk in and stand beside me. So I said to her, Grandmother, when will my fear go away? She shrugged her shoulders and said, I don't know why it matters. You just bring it with you and you go anyway. She was right. In all the things I'd done in my life that I was afraid to do, the fear hadn't actually stopped me before I did them. Instead, I just did them afraid. I took fear with me. In other words, I wasn't afraid of being afraid. And as we all know, when we bring fear with us, pretty soon we stop being afraid. Fear quiets or transforms itself into something more positive. Well, the same thing applies to resistance. Instead of waiting for resistance to end, just take it with you. In other words, don't resist resistance. 
Her expression shifted from disapproval to piqued curiosity. Can you give me an example, she said. I said, okay. Morning arrives and it's time to make your bed. Tell me what happens. Well, I look at the bed, know I need to make it, and then resist and say, I'll do it later. I said, okay. Then what happens after you walk out of your bedroom? She said, well, then I listen to this internal conversation where I tell myself I should make the bed, and then I resist some more, and that lasts until my attention is drawn elsewhere. I said, okay. Next time that happens and you decide to resist doing it, say, okay, I'll resist. Just allow resistance. Don't resist resistance. She said, that's not going to change anything. My bed's still not going to get made. And I said, maybe not at first, but that's not actually our first goal. So here's what we really were doing. What we're doing is two things. First, we're diffusing the pressure that starts in the act of resistance. Remember, when you resist, you start to back up pressure. Second, we're going to get to hear what's underneath within that inner dialogue. In other words, we're going to start discovering the roots of the resistance. She wasn't entirely convinced, so we went back to the conversation about fear. When fear arises and we just let ourselves be afraid without trying to tell ourselves not to be afraid, it dials down fear's power. It's kind of like someone jumping out of the bushes to scare you and you don't even flinch. It's not the reaction that fear would be used to, so it diffuses its power and its effect. So then the next step, step that fear usually takes is to fill us with all kinds of thoughts and visions and scenarios as to why we should be afraid, to convince us to be afraid. When we pay close attention to that part, we get to learn what's really going on inside. What thoughts are really driving the fear, or in her case, what thoughts are really driving the resistance? Now, even though she was actually a bit resistant to accept this logic, she agreed that she'd try this approach and just see what her experience was. So the next day, she got up, felt the resistance to make her bed, and said, okay, we won't make it, it I won't resist. And then she walked out into the kitchen. It felt weird, almost like she was faking it, and yet it was oddly interesting. And then she heard herself say, oh, you're such a slob. You have to stop doing this. You should go make your bed. Just do it. What's wrong with you? You need a coach to teach you to make your bed? Really? Wow, she thought. That's pretty nasty self-talk. She pivoted on one foot to head back to make her bed, but when she started to head that way, her energy plummeted, and the coffee maker beep sounded to let her know that it was ready, so she pivoted back to the kitchen for that fresh cup of coffee. As she sat at the table drinking the coffee, she heard herself say, you drink too much coffee, you should stop. And why are you here and not at the gym? She was now actively listening to herself. She could see that she was resisting herself internally in everything she did. And as her day played out, she heard herself resisting every choice she made and scolding herself for doing so. By 4 p.m., she was exhausted, ready to sit in front of a Netflix show and just eat anything to divert her attention away from her mind and its incessant arguing. 
But when she got comfortably set up, she heard herself complain that she was eating too much and wasting her life watching senseless stuff. She should be out walking. When we spoke a week later, she was full of things to share. First, she said, not resisting resistance is hard. My internal dialogues become really, really mean. The more mean it got, the more tired I got and the harder it was to listen or to do anything. I called myself lazy, a slob, useless, a failure, you name it, oh my God, it was harsh. It's so self-defeating, I felt so bad for myself. No one should talk to themselves that way. I mean, if we heard a person say those things out loud to someone else, we'd step in. But it was just this constant argument inside of me, no matter what I did, literally, no matter what I did, I couldn't win. And then I said, so what about the bed? And she said, oh, I started making the bed a few days ago. Making the bed isn't really that hard. It only takes a minute and I just wanted to end the argument. Okay, now remember flow foundations. When you resist, you build pressure. When you stop resisting, that pressure propels you forward in the direction of your focus, which in this case was making her bed. And without really even making it a big deal, she was suddenly making her bed and creating a brand new habit. And, but that's just one small part of what happened in her week. What she discovered in her experiment of not resisting resistance is that it was coming from an ongoing internal argument that had a life of its own. Kind of like the stereotypical married couple who argue over everything just for the sake of arguing. Resistance in itself is an argument with flow. Now again, it's necessary when the flow is going somewhere you don't want to go. But it's unnecessary when the argument is just for the sake of the argument. Her observation of herself had also stirred up self-compassion as she realized how mean she was to herself with this warring dialogue. Now compassion is key. Compassion is like a big warm blanket that says, I don't really care why you're suffering. Just come here and let me help you feel better. On our second talk, I asked her, would you like this internal war to end? And she said, oh my God, I really would. Her assignment for the next week, in addition to not resisting resistance, was to start writing out the inner dialogue like she was giving each voice the pen and just letting it write without editing, without judging. When part of herself would accuse her of being lazy, she'd say, okay, tell me more. And she'd invite that part to truly unpack the story of why it thought she was lazy. Oh, the gold she pulled from this exercise was phenomenal. Some of her words she discovered were her mom's words. Some of her resistance was just resistance toward mom for the sake of sheer rebellion. Some of the meanness that she witnessed was just like what she saw in arguments all around her when she grew up. In fact, she realized it was only on TV that she saw families being kind to each other. At the end of that week, her big awareness was that she actually didn't know how to be in agreement with herself. 
This resistance was just an autopilot behavior with a life of its own. How powerful is that awareness? When we met that week, I asked her to introduce a new practice. I asked her to put the word and into her vocabulary. And by and, I mean and with meaning and emphasis. I want to make my bed and I resist making my bed. I want to drink coffee and I think it's bad to drink too much coffee. And was like taking two opposite ideas and watching them walk arm in arm down the street together. And stopped the fight. The word or divides. I'll make my bed or I'll resist. I'll drink that coffee or I'll, I won't. And connects or divides. So for the next week, she used the word and in every conflict. I think I'm lazy and I know I'm not. Can you feel the energy shift there? Well, her journaling continued. And this time she found that the aspects of herself that had been in argument were now thoughtfully revealing their perspectives like those who'd sat down to mediation, those intent on finding peace. The drive to solution and resolution was now created. Neither side felt shut out or shut down. Instead, each side felt valued for its perspective and invited to meet to reach a consensus on how to move forward as one fluid unit, heading into the flow, resisting only when wanting to change the course or to navigate tricky waters. For the first time, as the internal fight quieted, her energy became stable. The energy lost to the arguing and defensiveness was now amplified by the good feelings of congruence. Instead of her autopilot being set up to argue, it was now set to find agreement. She was learning how to find and build peace within herself. How? By stopping to resist resistance. Now remember, resistance in the flow is good if you're going somewhere you don't want to go. With her internal conflict being continuous, one side or the other was constantly convinced that they were heading to a wrong outcome. And by connecting both of those sides with compassion and the word and, and time to be heard and understood, she converted that resistance into conscious congruent focus each side coming into agreement to end the argument and the suffering and instead focus forward into the flow. Each time that resistance was released, she'd flow forward effortlessly with more power and propulsion, developing the effortlessness habit of making her bed in just a few days and then on to much bigger things that were more important to her. To end resistance, she stopped resisting resistance. In the same way that to end fighting a war, you stop fighting in the war. To stop being afraid, you stop being afraid of fear. Whatever you need to actually learn about the resistance, the fear, and so on, well, it comes up when you stop opposing it. 
Instead of your energy being placed into opposition, it shifts to observation. Then you add the concept of and, bringing unity instead of division. The next week when we met, this woman felt completely different. She had better energy, she was excited about her progress and her insights. She was getting more done and she was doing it with more ease and better flow towards outcomes that felt good. Her resistance was less and when it did arise, she began to see it as a great adventure to solve another internal issue, eager to hear what each aspect had to say. All of this by asking one question and then following its thread to insight. That's flow. Aligning to the flow when you feel opposed to it or uncomfortable in it comes when you open yourself up to learning what you're made of and then really consciously choosing where you want to go. When she made the decision to end the conflict, she focused herself straight at her solution. Even though she had no idea what that was or how to get there, she made the conscious choice. Then, as resistance was released, the pressure that she'd built up propelled her forward directly toward the solution and the pattern of spinning around in the fight of opposing perspectives, well, it ended. And she began to flow like a pro. Okay. I've chatted long enough, so I'm going to stop. I want to thank you for listening to this Radical Flow podcast. It always means the world to me that you do. Now, if you'd love to bring flow concepts into your life, to learn to break free from looping patterns that cause you suffering, connect with me on flowtribe.ca and we'll get you into the coaching program that's perfect for you. And until next time, we'll see you in the flow.